Now, we're kicking off a new series. Actually, we kicked it off last Sunday night. If you missed that, that's uh, available to you on um, Sermon Audio. You can go back on the church's Facebook page and find that last Sunday evening. But we're calling this series Back to Basics um, because it gives us those basic activities, the ways of thinking that all Christians are going to develop as we walk closer to the Lord. Now, some of you are probably going to say, well, you know, preacher, I've been saved a long time. I think I know what these basics are. And that's true. But I've come to realize that these are things that I have to refresh in my own life from time to time because it's easy to fall back into selfish and and sinful ways to get used to just being ritualistic instead of being real about some of these basics. So if you're a, a, a longtime Christian, you're very mature in the Lord, don't worry, there'll be things here for you as well. And then let me encourage you, if you have these particular disciplines down, for example, if prayer is an essential part of your life and you feel like your prayer life has never been stronger, let me encourage you to take a younger Christian under your wing and say, hey, let's work on this discipline together. When I was a young man, both in high school and then um, after college, as I was newly married, there were several men in my church where I was who would come alongside me and, and just different things. Sometimes it was prayer, scripture meditation, say, hey, let's meet regularly, sometimes once a month, sometimes once a week. Let's go over some of these things. Let's learn together. And boy, I was blessed to have these older men in the faith draw alongside me and encourage me. Some of you have children. You could teach these disciplines to your children. Some of you have grandchildren that that you have a a close uh, relationship with, and and you could meet with them and teach these, these disciplines to them. So whether you are a new Christian Whether you've been a Christian a long time, I think you'll find lots to be blessed by in this series. Now, I want to just mention this right up front because sometimes we misunderstand these devotional disciplines, these habits of righteousness that we work to develop. They don't put God in our debt. We don't do a lot of good things and then go and cash it in like chips at a casino. I wouldn't know anything about that. I don't frequent casinos, but I understand you get these chips, right? At the end of the day, you can convert them to money. That's not how this works. God, I've done all these spiritual disciplines. Now you owe me. That's, that's not how this works at all. But the truth is that the Christian life requires these disciplines, these habits of righteousness to clear a channel so that God's grace and the leading of the Holy Spirit can flow through us. Some of you are familiar with the irrigation canals that are around here. In fact, there's a major one just north of the church here, not even a mile. I tell you what, you want to get people angry at you, you just go and start throwing stuff in that irrigation canal. And it won't be long before somebody drives up and probably pushes you in. I don't know how they would deal with it. But they are not happy when you throw things in the irrigation canal because what will happen is it will block the flow of water, life-giving water through those canals. And you know what happens in my life? I, I, I can tell you what happens in my life, and I've observed that it probably happens in yours too. With time, we become lax, we become careless about some things, and our lack of focus on these devotional disciplines block God's power in our lives. They block His grace. They keep the Holy, we quench the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit doesn't have the same uh, opportunity to affect us the way that He did previously. The Bible calls us carnal to be a carnal Christian. And it's not that, I I don't know of any Christian who sets out thinking, you know, I'm just going to become carnal, but it happens over time. And so we need to refresh our uh, minds. Now, we don't do this anymore, but it used to be you had to sharpen your razor, men. 
Now we have disposable razors, so it sort of breaks the analogy. You don't just throw the Holy Spirit away and get a new Holy Spirit. So don't, don't misunderstand that. But it used to be you had razors, and, and they had to be sharpened every once in a while. Now, will a dull razor remove the whiskers from your face? Yes, but it's much more painful. You want a clean, fresh razor if you're going to shave effectively. And in the Christian life, what these these devotional disciplines do, what these habits of righteousness do, is they keep the razor of God's grace sharp. Keeps the razor, the leading of the Holy Spirit sharp so that he can have the effect, the Holy Spirit can have the effect on our lives that he desires to have. But all too often he's blocked, he's prevented from having because I've become selfish and I've become careless. Now, the essence of Christian discipleship is is summed up for us. Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, If any man uh, will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. That's a sermon in itself, but it's that denying ourselves that's so hard. Because normal human natural responses is to indulge ourselves. Next time you open your refrigerator, why are you doing that? Now, unless you're cooking for your family, you're looking for something to eat because you're hungry and you're trying to indulge yourself. The next time KJ's driving down the road and he's tempted to pull into a McDonald's, why does he do that? Now, you're on a diet, aren't you, brother? Yeah, he's on a diet. He knows he isn't supposed to be going to McDonald's. But you know what? Just about every time I call him, you know the word he uses? He says, hamburger. Now, I don't know why he says that. But I get a feeling he's driving, he sees that sign and he thinks, boy, I want to go in there. We have a natural desire to indulge ourselves, to deny ourselves is hard. That's why these disciplines have to be renewed and refreshed. And I come back to it and I say, boy, you know, I know I ought to pray. Of course I ought to pray. I'm a pastor. I ought to pray. So I look back over my week. How much time have I spent in prayer privately? How much time have I joined with my brothers and sisters to pray for the specific purpose of praying? So the discipline of prayer is the first one we're going to look at. These disciplines, these um, back to basics, habits of righteousness, what they do is they feed the spirit. Indulging myself feeds the flesh. And if I feed the flesh, guess what? The flesh becomes very powerful in my life. Sometimes, even in a Christian's life, the flesh can seem overwhelmingly powerful because I fed it so much. Now, it's not, by the way. God's power is always enough and more than enough. But it seems that way because I keep feeding the flesh. But if you feed the Spirit, guess what? The Spirit becomes very powerful in your life. And you'll see that these habits of discipline, these devotional uh, disciplines, these habits of righteousness become easier as you feed the Spirit rather than feeding the flesh. Galatians 6 Verses 7 and 8, and you can look it up later. Galatians 6, 7 and 8. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. And the very next verse says, He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall reap of the Spirit life everlasting. So we want to sow to the Spirit. And that's what these back to the basics, devotional disciplines, habits of righteousness do. They are reminders as to how we can sow to the Spirit. So that's an introduction to the series, and we'll look at that again and again. But don't misunderstand and think that somehow by doing these things, I'm collecting points that I get to use later to make God do what I want Him to do. That's not how it works. All I'm doing is I'm clearing a path. I'm clearing the the canal so that the water of God's Holy Spirit can flow through me fully 
rather than being hindered by something in my personal life. So let's start by looking at this discipline of prayer. Luke 11, 1 says this, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. Now, I want you to notice here, he doesn't say, Lord, teach us how to pray. He says, Lord, teach us to pray. I I think there's a difference, and the difference I see is how to pray is a method, right? You know, here's, you're going to pray this and this and this and this. And by the way, Jesus does that in his model prayer that follows on this statement. But God also wants to teach us to pray. Now, there's times that it's very easy to pray, but God wants to teach us to pray all the time. What does 1 Thessalonians tell us? Pray without ceasing. So this discipline of prayer isn't, okay, how do I get God's attention when things are going wrong? When there is an earthquake and things are falling off my shelves, how do I get God's attention? That's, that's not what this is about. I often compare it to a tube of toothpaste. If you want to get toothpaste out of your toothpaste tube, what do you have to do? You've got to squeeze it. Now, does God have to squeeze me to get prayer out? Does God have to put pressure on me to get me to pray? If that's true for you, that's not the discipline of prayer. Yes, you're praying. And by the way, God cares. He he wants you to pray in times of trouble, but he also wants you to pray when there's no trouble. That's the discipline of prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. Another example, um, soda pop. If you shake a can of soda pop really good, and then you unscrew the cap, what happens? You have a mess. Well, it goes everywhere because it's been shaken. Do you have to be shaken to get prayer to come out of you? That's, again, God cares. And if you're going through a difficult time, difficult circumstances, don't misunderstand. God wants to hear from you. But God also wants to hear from you when things are going well when you don't have any problems. And we're going to talk about that. Lord, teach us to pray. Let's start with this important topic of the motivation. So so, let me recap here. So the discipline of prayer is that faithful response to God's call to pray. Faithful meaning, number one, that I'm full of faith when I pray, but also that I'm consistent in that effort. It isn't, okay, I'm going to pray when things are bad. Okay, I'm going to pray when I need something. Okay, I'm going to pray because the pastor's called on me. Oh, I'm going to pray because I have food in front of me. Those are good times to pray. Additionally, I'm going to pray because I have a relationship with God that draws me to him on a regular basis. That's God's call to pray. I don't know about you. There's been times nothing going wrong in my life. No problems that I'm aware of. I mean, everyone has problems from time to time, but nothing unusual. And it's as if God says, hey, I'd like you to talk with me. And do I respond with, yes, Lord, I'm, let's, let's talk? Or do I say, you know, you know, Lord, I'm really busy right now. The uh, football game's going to start in a few minutes, and i got to get my potato chips. Right? The discipline of prayer is that faithful response when God says, hey, let's talk. So let's talk about our motivation to pray. Why do we pray? Uh, again, we can be like a tube of toothpaste. We can be like that soda pop bottle that's been shaken, and so of course things come out. But that's an immature motivation to simply being 
to simply a, a desire to be relieved of our problem, to simply get through the crisis. By the way, there's nothing wrong in a crisis going to God. Don't misunderstand. But God wants to hear from us regularly, daily, even minute by minute. Pray without ceasing, not just when things are going badly. And you'll find as you develop this discipline of prayer that when you are in a crisis and when you need to get a, got a hold of God's attention, by the way, you don't need to get a hold of God's attention. You always have his attention. But you feel like I've got to have God's attention now. Guess what? If you've developed that discipline of prayer, it's more natural to turn to God when it's time to pray, when you have a crisis. Sometimes we look at mature Christians, we see, a, we hear a sermon, maybe we attend a prayer meeting, we hear other people praying and we say, wow, that's, you know, I need to pray like that. And so we are motivated to pray by watching others pray. Sometimes we come to a place in our lives where we recognize clearly what God's will is, but we're not sure how we're going to accomplish it. One of the key moments for me was when we had children. And you know you need to raise children for God's glory. You need to bring them up, fathers, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You, that, those are givens. You know that. But how? And you'll go to other parents. And we did that. What do you do here? What do you do there? And you know what you find out? Every child is different. Just because something worked for one... Now, now there's some basics to child raising. Don't, don't misunderstand me. But there's some interesting permutations and complications in each of your children's lives that takes a different response. And so you find yourself going to the Lord and saying, Lord, I, I know what you want me to do. I've got to raise this child for you. But frankly, I want to put this child in a small box and ship them to another country. <laughs> I'm just speaking humanly here. We never did that. Well, we did take him to another country, but not in a small box. We can be motivated to pray because, again, we're not under pressure. We just see what the end goal is. We see what God's trying to, what he's asking us to do. And we just say, boy, I can't do that without God's help. And that's a good reason to pray, too. But I want to motivate you to pray. And I'm convinced that the most mature motivation to pray is simply because you love God. Do you love God enough to spend time with him? Now, from time to time, my wife will say to me, she'll say, do you have time to go to coffee or do you have time to go to dinner with me? And my wife will tell you on a very rare occasion, I'll say, you know, we're going to have to wait a few days for that. Most of the time I'm, I'm like, you want to go to coffee? Let's go right now. You want to go to dinner? OK, I can't go tonight, but let's tomorrow night. Let's go. I am eager to spend time with my wife because I love her. And the same way, if I love God, if I truly love God with all my heart and all my soul and all my mind and all my strength, then it's just natural to want to talk to him. It's natural to want to hear from him. It's a relationship that you don't force. Well, I better do this. You know, pastor was just preaching on that. We better get this done. Nothing wrong with that motivation, but it's beyond that. I'm not thinking about, do I check off the box this morning? I'm thinking, I love God. I want to spend some time with him before I'm out of my day and, and, and events start to carry me along. You'll find, if you need motivation to love God, you'll find that motivation in remembering how much God has loved you. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. 
Herein is love, the Bible says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son. You spend some time meditating on how good God is to you. How many good things God's given you, not just salvation, not just health and not just prosperity, not just family, not just a good church. So many other things. And it's easy to find your love for God renewed. And as you spend more time with God, just in prayer and in his word, and you see treasures from his word, and you have a chance to express your heart to God, this becomes a feedback loop so that it increases. The more time you spend with God, the more your love for God increases. And you get to that point where many mature Christians have, have, have gotten to where you just can't think of your day without spending some time with God. You just wouldn't start your day without telling him what's on your heart. You wouldn't go to bed at night without a prayer to just express to him your gratitude for the day or maybe the difficulties of the day and ask him for help for the next day. It's Again, it's not a, it's not a checkbox. It's not a task. It's a relationship. But here in the United States, for most of us, the biggest problem with prayer is that we're going to say, but I don't have time to pray. So let's talk about now that you're motivated. Okay, yep, you're right, preacher, I need to pray. How do we make time to pray? It, I'm not asking you to make it a ritual, but there should be an effort, an intentional effort to make time to pray. Because you will find that if you wait to pray when you have time, you never have time to pray. Especially those of you with children, you'll never have time to pray. Children are constantly demanding your attention. So you have to make time to pray. Now, the first suggestion I have for you is that you recognize what part of your day is your freshest part of the day. I, I'm a morning person. By nature, about 9 o'clock at night, it used to be about 10 o'clock, but it's come down to about 9 o'clock at night, my brain shuts off. And if you want to get funny answers out of me, you just call me about 9.30 at night and ask me some questions. And you'll probably be surprised at some of the things that come out of my mouth. Not because they're evil. They'll just be nonsensical. Like, what do you mean by that? My family will tell you, I've got, a, I've got some children. They enjoy evenings. They want to come into my room about 930 at night and talk to me. And that's fine. We can talk, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I, my brain just shuts off. It's not good for me to wait until the end of my day to pray. Now, some of you are the exact opposite of me. You have to drag yourself out of bed in the morning. You're like my uncle. He would come to visit us. He would spend some days with us from time to time because his work was, was uh, seasonal and he moved near us for his seasonal work. He'd be sitting there in the mornings and he would have to drink four or five or six cups of coffee before he opened his eyes and he started moving around. But I tell you what, at night, he would, you know, 10, 11, 12 at night, he's still going strong. For him, trying to pray in the morning would not have worked. Not as fresh as time of the day. Night would work better for him. For some of you, it might be what we call the middle of your day. Maybe right after you get home from work. Maybe all those stresses of work have you wound tighter than a top and you're just ready to explode. And maybe that's the time when God wants you to go into your prayer closet and close the door and get your Bible and spend some time with him. But find out what time of day is your freshest part of the day. And then set aside... I'm going to, if you, if you don't have a habit of prayer, I'm going to ask you to start by setting aside just 10 minutes to pray. 
Now, it's not the amount of time that's important. I don't, wanna, I don't want you to feel like, well, I pray for more than 10 minutes a day, so I'm good. No, no, no. God may be calling you to do something different. But some of us don't even know where to start. And if you don't have a regular time of prayer, 10 minutes may seem like a, what do I do for 10 minutes? Thank you for my day. And I have a lot of problems. And help me. Uh, you just, well, how would you, so, uh, okay. Carve out 10 minutes of your time, whether it's in the morning, it's in the middle of the day, it's in the end of the day. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to ask the Holy Spirit. You're going to begin. I, I, most of my set aside time, times of prayer begin by asking the Holy Spirit to help me pray. Because guess what? The Holy Spirit is more interested in you praying than you are interested in praying. I ask the Holy Spirit to protect my mind, to keep away the distractions. I ask the Holy Spirit to focus me. I ask the Holy Spirit to show me what to pray for. And then if you want to divide it up so that you have 10 minutes, you're going to take two minutes. And we're going to talk more about these details in a minute. But you're going to take two minutes just to meditate on how good God is. One of the things that will increase your love for God is just to remember who God is and how great he is. So take a couple minutes, just meditate. If you have to set a timer on your watch or set up one of those uh, uh, tomato timers, find whatever, set a timer. Just meditate for two minutes on how great God is. Get the, get the Bible out. Find a psalm that talks about God's greatness. Psalm 145, Psalm 8, and just meditate. Psalm 23, meditate on God's greatness. Take two minutes. After those two minutes are done, take two more minutes. Now we're at four minutes. And thank God for all the things that he's recently done in your life. I think we are so quick to ask God for things. God, I need this. And then God answers. And how many times do we say thank you? We're like those 10 lepers that were healed, and only one of them came back to say to Jesus, thank you. The other nine just headed out into their lives. Hey, I'm healed. This is great. And never thought to take time to thank God. So take some time, two minutes. Again, set the timer and say, God, Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Now we're at four minutes. Take two more minutes and examine your own heart. God, Ask God to show you the sin that's there that needs to be confessed. Now, I don't want you to become morbid about this. Some people overthink this and they feel like I've got to find it all. No, no, you don't have to find it all. You just have to confess what God points out to you. Now, my problem is, and from the way John's participating, I think John would admit his problem is when God says, hey, here's your problem. I say, no, 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 that's not my problem. That's my wife's problem. That's my kid's problem. That's my church brother's problem. That's my neighbor's problem, right? We want to blame everyone else. Don't do that. When God says, here's your problem, say, God, you're right. I'm wrong. Forgive me. Isn't God good? He doesn't say, okay, well, now, now you have to do penance. The word penance is not found in your Bible. There is no penance to do. When we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But let's take some time to examine ourselves. So we've taken two minutes to meditate on God's goodness. We've taken two more minutes to thank him for the things he's done. We've taken two minutes to um, examine ourselves, let God point out to us the sin that's in our lives. That leaves us with four minutes. And those last four minutes, you're going to ask God to work in your life, in the life of your family, in the life of our church, Elmira Baptist Church, in our community. And that's where it's helpful to have a prayer list. So let's talk about that prayer list 
for a minute, and I'm going to give you a lot of, if you haven't been taking notes, in the middle of your bulletin, there's a section, uh, I, I took mine out, but a, a loose sheet of paper that has some sermon notes on it. If you haven't taken any notes yet, I think you'll want to take notes on this next section. Because I'm convinced that one of the obstacles to praying is we don't know what to pray for. We don't know what prayer is. So we have a tendency to get to our prayer time and maybe even set aside 10 minutes or maybe you set aside 15 minutes. I know some of you, you've told me, you'll pray for an hour or more when it's time to pray. Bless God, that's great. Some of you are saying, pray for an hour? How, how in the world? What kind of person prays for an hour? Now that's interesting because we just sang a hymn. The title was Sweet Hour of Prayer. I think it was more common. I think we get too busy. We have technology to solve our problems. We have science. We have medicine. And we forget that we're robbing ourselves of an opportunity to talk with the God of heaven. We're missing our greatest source of strength and our greatest source of encouragement and our greatest source of wisdom. And you can just list and list and list because we're so busy. So if, here's how I would, if you, don't have, if you don't already have a prayer list, here's how I would craft my prayer list. The first thing that I would write down is Ephesians 6, 8. Ephesians 6, 8 says this, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And again, I mentioned earlier, you're going to start by asking the Holy Spirit to lead you as you pray, to protect you as you pray, to focus you as you pray. So when I say write down, I mean get your Bible out and turn to Ephesians 6.18. And on your sheet of paper, write that verse out. And remember that the first thing you're going to do is you're going to approach God's throne and ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Then number two here, write down some attributes of God. Now, if this is completely new to you and you think, what are God's attributes? Those are the things that are God, who He is. For example, we say God is love. God's light, God's good, God is merciful, God is faithful. And all of these things can come right out of your Bible reading. In my prayer, uh, on my prayer list, next to many of these attributes, I have a verse written to remind me of where in the Bible I find information about that attribute. But remember, you're going to take two minutes of your time just to meditate on, not on what God has done, on who God is. And you're going to want to remind yourself of some of the things that he is. So write down some attributes. If you're a, a newer Christian and you think, boy, attributes, and I, that went really quick, let me encourage you to grab a brother in Christ, grab a sister in Christ and say, hey, what is this attributes of God? What do you praise God for when you're thinking of his attributes? And I'm sure a mature Christian will be able to give you a long list. God's all powerful. God knows everything. God is everywhere. So many things that we can praise him for, but write those attributes down and spend some time just praising him for who he is. In addition to that, write down some recent answers to prayer. What have you prayed for recently? And God has said, here you go. Now, if you're telling me, uh, you know, preacher, I can't even remember the last time God answered prayer. My guess is you're not in a habit of prayer. You're not disciplining yourself to pray. You're too busy. You've got other things. We've had answers this week, things we prayed for on Wednesday night as a, as a church. We meet on Wednesdays for a time of Bible study and prayer, 7 o'clock. We prayed for some things this Wednesday night, and I've already heard back that God answered those prayers. 
Because we're not just shooting arrows wildly. We have a prayer target. We know what God's trying to accomplish in some cases, and we're praying for those things specifically. So write down some recent answers to prayer. When it comes to examination, Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24, and I'm going to read those to you. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. That's a prayer that we can make to the Lord as the psalmist did. And again, no need to be morbid about it. I'm not asking you to write down all the things that God has revealed to you about your sinfulness. That's not necessary. Just as he brings things to mind. Hey, you said some harsh words to that person. Say, God, you're right. I'm wrong. Don't say, yeah, but that person said harsh words to me. That that isn't confession. God says, hey, you've been lazy. There's some things I asked you to do and you just not get them. Well, you have to understand, Lord, I'm really tired. God knows if you're tired or not. Just say, you're right, Lord. I, I, I could have done better there. Forgive me. Help me. Give me grace to do right in the future. God doesn't beat us up. God wants to lift us up, brush us off and set us on the right track again. But it takes time to examine ourselves. So I mentioned two minutes, just examining yourself, asking God to show you what it is that, uh, what it is that you, where, where you, where it is that you failed? Where it is that you've sinned? And confess that to him. Then write down, if you would, these questions. This is sort of how mine is structured. What is God doing in my life? That's you personally. What is God teaching you? What is it that he's trying to accomplish? What are the goals that he's giving you? I mentioned child raising. Maybe it's a job that takes a lot of prayer. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a family member. But what is God doing in my life? Then two, what is God doing in my family? So I pray for my wife. I have four children. I pray for my four children by name, specific requests for each one. I pray for my son-in-law. I pray a lot for my son-in-law. I pray for future spouses for my children. My children are range from 19 to 28. So I'm praying for their future spouses. I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm praying for about what God is doing in my family. Ask yourself, what is God doing in my church? I think for most of you gathered this morning, that's Elmira Baptist Church. One of the things he's doing is we're building a building. Pray about that. Pray for me as your pastor. Pray for each other. I am so encouraged the last few weeks as we've gone through a period where there have been a lot of you who've been sick. People have reached out to me with texts and with phone calls. How is so-and-so doing? I'm praying. How is this family doing? I'd like to take them a meal. Boy, you're praying for each other because we see what God's doing in our church. What is God doing in my community? Now, I live in Fairfield. I I pray for that area. Of course, you can pray here for, for Vacaville. Uh, or here's Elmira, but Vacaville's next door. Where is it that you live? What is God doing there in that community? Are you praying for that? In my, on my prayer list, I have five, I have more than five people now, but I try to at least have five people I'm praying for their salvation. This could be a family member, maybe a mom or a dad. If you have children, are your children saved? Pray for your children's salvation. It, it may be a, a, a friend 
someone you've known a long time, maybe you came to Christ after you developed that friendship, don't, don't give up those friendships. If, 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 if they're not a bad influence on you, keep, keep talking to those people. They need Jesus Christ. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's your neighbor. Five people that are, you know are not Christians and pray for their salvation. Write down several of our missionaries. We have, I, I understand, if I remember right, there's 17 families or individuals that we send regular support to and, and more that uh, uh, our brother Roger will inform us of their needs. So write their names down on your prayer list and then consider what their needs are. Now you say, how am I going to know what their needs are? Well, that's why Roger reads them to us. I, I, that's a help to me. And I get most of the prayer letters go through my hands, but I'll have to admit from time to time, maybe I don't read it carefully and Roger will mention something from the, from the pulpit up here. Hey, we need to pray for so-and-so for this. And he's right. So are we praying for our missionaries? Don't just pray, God bless, bless the Cubics in, in, in Mongolia. Bless the Allardyces. Uh, bless the Fritzes. That's fine, but let's go beyond that. What are their needs? How can we pray for them? Write down the names of public officials. Uh, do you pray for our president? Do you pray for our vice president? Do you pray for our governor? Do you know who your mayor is? If you live in Vacaville or you live in Fairfield, who's your mayor? Who's on the county board of supervisors? You recall that during this uh, time of our pandemic, they were telling us not to meet as churches. But here in Solano County, God was so good to us to give us favor with the local sheriff and the local uh, board of commissioners. While people in Contra Costa County and Alameda County and Marin County, they were still not allowed to meet. We just started meeting again. Let's pray for these folks. They, they make some decisions that have a far bigger impact on us than what Governor Newsom does or what B President Biden does. Pray for your uh, state assembly member. Do you know who that is? It just changed. Did you know that our previous one resigned midway through office to take another job? Do you know who his replacement is? Pray for our state senator. Do you know where our state senator went to college? I do because it's where my parents went to college, so it just sticks in my brain. Do you know who our representative is in the United States House of Representatives? Who are our two senators? Pray for our Supreme Court. I mean, right there you could spend four minutes just praying for public officials. And we're commanded to pray for those who rule over us in Second Tim excuse me, First Timothy chapter two. So take this seriously. Now, I've just given you nine, eight things, eight things to write down in your prayer list. Do you think you could take ten minutes to pray for those things? Some of you are going to take more than that. Some of you may take an hour. Some of you may take an hour and a half. It's not the amount of time. Please don't. Again, this, we're not cashing in chips. It's not, God, I spent an hour in prayer today, so now you have to do for me. Please don't treat it that way. But again, if I can go back to the illustration with my wife, if my wife asks me for an hour of my time, I'm looking for ways to give her that hour. Because I love my wife, and I enjoy spending time with her. If my parents show up unexpectedly, in fact, my family knows, occasionally my brothers show up without asking. I say, listen, you can do that anytime you want, but I'm telling you, I might not even be in town. But I tell you what, if they show up without asking, I'll move appointments. I'll call people and say, hey, we were going to get together tomorrow, but something, my brother's coming to town and this is more important to me because I want to spend time with my family. Same thing should be true with God. We're not setting aside time to earn points so that we win prizes. We're setting aside time with God because we love him. 
We enjoy spending time with him. Now, I'm going to warn you when it comes to mastering these obstacles to prayer, in addition to having a prayer list, which helps me focus on what I'm supposed to be praying for, you've got to find a way to block out the distractions of life. One missionary put it this way, when you sit down to pray, the Lord, uh, not the Lord, your flesh will tell you to go fix the blind. It's true. You start thinking about all the things you're supposed to be doing in your day, right? You think about uh, the, the problem you had yesterday. I tell you what, I can't tell you how many times some small injustice in my life comes up and I start to get angry at somebody and it's in the past. And I have to remind myself that God says, let all bitterness be put far away from you. I'm paraphrasing there from uh, Ephesians chapter four. But there'll be distractions. I, I'm, I'm particularly burdened for those of you mothers with children because your children, I mean, you can tell them it's your prayer time, but they don't always get that. So fathers, can we come alongside our wives and say, hey, I'll take the kids to the park for a half hour so you can have time to pray. Can a father come along? Hey, I'm going to put the kids to bed. And if you know your wife's best time of the day is, is nighttime. Hey, I'll put the kids to bed. Why don't you take some time to pray? Find ways to overcome these obstacles. There's a lack of focus, and that's where our prayer list helps us. But finally, when it comes to mastering obstacles, here's a final obstacle that most of us don't even realize until we're there, and that is our prayer can just become a routine. You can take that prayer list. Those of you that have used a prayer list as, a, as an aid to pray for a long time, you know you can just start saying, well, bless this person and bless this person and help that person and help this person and be with this person and be with this person and help that person. When prayer becomes a mindless routine, it isn't prayer any longer. Remember what Jesus said. Don't, don't, think, don't be like these hypocrites who think they're going to be heard for their much speaking. They just say the same things over and over in prayer, and they're not even thinking. It's meaningless to them. That's not what God wants out of our prayer time. So it might help you, those of you that are a little bit, uh, you're beyond the, okay, now I have a list, what do I do stage? It may help you to have some daily requests, things you only pray for once a week. You pray for this set of requests on Sunday, this set on Monday, this set on Tuesday, to add a little bit of variety and cause you to think, okay, what am I praying about for this person? What am I praying about for my church? One of the things I pray about on Sundays, uh, excuse me, on Saturdays that I don't pray for specifically the rest of the week is for the Sunday school teachers at our church. I pray for them by name. I ask God to multiply their efforts, their, their, um, their uh, preparation, their time and preparation, to give them the words, to give them the right topics for their students, whether it's Nan teaching our littlest children or whether it's Jesse and Scotty teaching our adults. So by varying your prayers, that'll give you an opportunity to make sure it doesn't just become mindless routine. It'll it'll keep you from just getting in a rut and praying the same things over and over every day. Now with each of these basics, each of these devotional disciplines, I'm going to give you some homework. Now I know homework is the least popular thing ever. I taught for years, and the kids were great. They loved it when I would lecture. In fact, the thing they would like to, me to do is they would, they would give me lecturing, they'd give me talking, and then the bell would ring. And then they'd try to run out of class before I could give them the homework. And I got smart to that. 
I'd be just I'd be just chugging along like a freight train, and all of a sudden I'd stop 30 minutes, 30 seconds before the bell would ring, and I'd say, okay, here's your homework. And they'd say, oh, what homework? We had no, come on, tell us some more about whatever. I'd say, no, no, here's your homework, write it down. They hated homework. My guess is you hate homework too, and most of you are going to say, you know, I don't even know how he's going to check this next week, so I'm just going to ignore it. You're right, I'm not going to check it. I'm not. I'm not going to go by and say, hey, did you do this? Did you do this? I'll tell you who's going to check it. The God who sees everything. He's going to know how seriously you're taking these things. But here's your homework this week, and it's a little bit different than you may, uh, than you may think. I am going to ask you to find someone who's either 30 years older than you or 30 years younger than you and ask them for one request. Not a family member, just somebody here in this room this morning. 30 years older than you or 30 years younger. Because you know one of the great things about being part of his church is we get to pray for each other. And people are in different seasons of life. My prayer requests today are very different than my prayer requests were 30 years ago. I was in a different season of life. And it's easy to get focused on what I need. Uh, Lord, here's all the things I need. And forget that there's other people who are also needy. So find someone who's 30 years older or 30 years younger. You say, well, I'm right in that sweet spot. I'm 45 years old. 30 years older, they're probably dead. 30, well, number one, there's a lot of people over 75 here. But you could also go younger. You know, there's some teenagers that could use your prayers. You could go to one of these teens and say, hey, what's one thing I can pray for you? And here's what you can pray for me for this week. So that's your homework. Again, you say, how are you going to check it? I'm not. But I'm serious when I ask you to find someone 30 years older or 30 years younger and ask them, how can I pray for you? And here is my request. So that we are bound together in our prayers for each other. This, this thing of prayer, it's, it isn't. It's not just a routine. It's not just some, some uh, uh, spiritual slot machine and we pull the handle and we hope all those things come up the same. No, we have prayer targets. We're praying for one another. There's specific things we're praying for. And if that person says to you, you know, I, I don't know, how can you pray for me? Then why don't you pray for that person to realize how much prayer they need? Because I have yet to meet a mature Christian who doesn't know, have anything to pray for. <laughs> one lady that often prayed for my wife and I, she's passed away now. But as she got older, her prayer request to us, she'd pray for us. She had long lists of things she'd pray for us. I'd say, how can we pray for you? She'd say, ask the Lord to help me stay awake when I pray. Because she'd reach that age where she'd start to pray and she'd fall asleep. But everyone has something that they need prayer for. So that's your homework. Go out, talk to someone 30 years younger or 30 years older and ask them, how can I pray for you? And here's my prayer request. Would you pray for me? But let's all of us take this discipline of prayer seriously. I hope that when we meet again next Sunday, Every one of you will have spent some time praying today and then on Monday and then on Tuesday and then on Wednesday and then on Thursday and then on Friday and then on Saturday. And if you're a morning person, you'll have prayed before you come next Sunday morning to worship because it needs to be a habit. It needs to be a, a discipline, a devotional discipline, a devotional discipline, meaning I'm devoted to God. I love him and therefore I'm going to pray. Father, we all could be better prayer warriors. I can be a better prayer warrior. And uh, it's a long sense that 10 minutes was enough time for me to pray. But Lord, I want to increase in my prayer this week. And I want my sisters and my brothers to be more fervent in their prayers this week. I want us to take seriously 
that we can have an audience with the God of heaven. And we can praise you and we can worship you and we can thank you. We can examine ourselves and we can ask you for things. And you can work in our lives. You can work in our families. You can work in our church. You can work in our community. Father, I believe that this little church could turn Solano County upside down if we just took prayer seriously. If we just look for the opportunities you have for us to be prayer warriors for each other, for ourselves, for each other, and for our community, that they don't even know we're praying for them. We could have government officials see them saved and their outlook on life changed because we pray for them. We could have neighbors who become Christians because we pray for them. We could have coworkers who become genial and kind who right now are harsh and mean-spirited because we pray for them. So, Lord, would you lead us to pray? Would you call us to prayer and teach us that faithful response to your call to pray? Lord, we love you. We ask that you'd increase our faith in this area, that you'd increase our devotion in this area. And we pray these things in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.